We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. To another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's from producer Chris Krueger. And we are here tonight talking about week 17. It's weird thinking that the season's almost over and that this show's almost done. I feel like one of the most interesting dynamics has been that. Typically, Scott Mason and the Jets are at the bottom, right? Yeah. Pretty much since we started the show. And yet, this season, we have primarily had one basement dweller, and that's the New England Patriots. And here to talk to us about him is Mr. Christian Simonelli. <laughs> Christian, we used to make the joke with Scott all the time that uh, he was like the Brooklyn Brawler or some of these other soup can wrestlers over the years. that Barry was, Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. Um, uh, well, the Repo <laughs> Man. Like, weird character, like, bit pieces that weren't actual wrestlers. They were just there to kind of put help put guys over. And I feel, like, how does it feel knowing that that's what the Patriots got reduced to over the course of this season? That's uh, pretty crummy, actually. Um you know, it's uh, not a familiar place for us, that's for sure. We usually used to have celebrating the uh, hat and T-shirt games, which is like around the beginning of December when we wrapped up the division. So a little, little different this year. <laughs> just, a, just a wee bit. So you guys lose to the Buffalo Bills 27-21. Had composure on the defense. Bill came out with a – I mean, it had to be a welcome sight. Comes out with a great game plan. It's just – like, it was a thing that, like, the only reason you were in the game is because that defense did its job. And he was calling some exotic coverages. Sometimes it worked against you. <coughs> there was a play where you guys called uh, zero, zero cover with, like, rat defender. And that's the play that Dalton Kincaid burned uh, Duggar for that 51-yard reception. But, but, yep. but by and large, 
our our skill players really struggled to get separation from your DBs because you guys played such a physical game. And I think that's all by design. Now, the question is, because obviously all the talk is about this is Bill's last, it's his last hurrah. And we joked about it during our recap show this week. Worst (laughs) season in his career. His first 12 loss season, the lowest win percentage the whole night. Is there any concern in the minds of Patriots fans that after watching a game like this where you go, shit, he still almost won with Bailey Zappi being what he was. If we shift away from Bill, it might make the offense better, but reduce the impact of the only consistent unit you guys have had on this team over the last three seasons, which is the defense. Yeah, that's a real that's a real fear based on just what you said with Sunday and you know post game Patriots players in the locker room were saying you know um, the coaches got them ready they they were ready for a lot of of, of what you guys did the concepts that you guys did um, Alex Austin in particular a cornerback that they you know just got off basically just got off the heap was was not fooled and you know made a great play on the ball. Um, so, I, yeah, I look, I struggle with that. Like, guys are playing hard because of playing for contracts. They're not playing hard because of playing for Bill. Yeah. I mean, you've got a ton of free agents on this team. And as you know, in an NFL career, if, if guys are lucky, they get one good crack at a free agency yes. contract. You know, very rarely do you see you know, somebody get two or three or a, a massive payday unless you're at the top of the league. So, um. The, there is a little bit of that, like you know, oh, we you know hung up. I also question though, like just getting back to what uh, uh, you know the the Patriots player said about the concepts and stuff, and the coaches having them ready. I, I'm going to go on the limb and say that Buffalo didn't necessarily empty their bag this game offensively. No, I think teams know when they play <clears throat> a forward team that okay, <laughs> we just got to you know score this amount of points and we should be good. I mean. If the, if there's no kickoff return to start the game, it's, it's we're in a totally different spot in the game. So oh, for sure, that's how and I look at it. That kickoff return yeah. was eerie too, because it was like, oh, last year we opened the game with this, and now they're right. doing it to us. Like right. that's weird. Yeah. Here's one of the things that I was thinking in the stands. I almost texted you about it, but I figured this was a better form for this conversation. Bailey Zappi. <clears throat> Say what you want about Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, cementing the idea that he shouldn't be a part of the Patriots' future. Because I just look at him and I go, you can do so many, he can throw some really accurate passes. But then, like, when, did you ever play Madden 2004 for the PS2? Oh, yeah. Okay. Glad, yeah. So there was a a feature in that game. It was the awareness cone. (laughs) And so... Every quarterback yeah. had an awareness rate. I remember it well. And they thought it would revolutionize <laughs> yeah. the game. They thought it was something new. They ended up killing it after that one year because <clears throat> it was stupid. But the reality yeah. of it was, <laughs> depending on what your quarterback's awareness rating was, when you drop back to pass, there would be a cone that was like yellow on the field, or at least like it was brighter. Mm-hmm. Almost like when you watch NBC football on Sunday night, and like the the line to gain and the yardage between it gets like amped up a little bit in green, so that it stands out. They right. did the same thing with the field, and it was the quarterback. Your quarterback would be in the pocket, and depending on what his awareness score is, he would get this cone. 
and then he would throw more accurate passes to the guys who were in that cone, and you would get penalized. So, like, if you were playing with, you know, if you were playing with Peyton Manning, your cone was the whole field. You didn't have to go anywhere. You could just throw the football. <laughs> but then if you were playing with J.P. Lawsman, your cone was, like, that big. <laughs> it was, like, that wide. And you were just yeah, swinging it, just yeah. praying <laughs> that you could find a guy. And right. you knew that if you threw it without that cone kind of swinging the, the right way, you were going to make some glaring mistakes. Bailey Zappi's cone is wildly small. In this analogy, Bailey Zappi's a quarterback who can make some really great, accurate throws when he's dialed in, he sees the guy, he gets time to plant his feet, and then some of his decisions were just mind-bogglingly bad. Those interceptions, what was your reaction to watching how quickly they piled up turnovers? I, 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 you know, even as bad as they played this year and as bad as Mac has played, I still couldn't believe it. You know, you just like, again... After the second one. And then the third one really wasn't his fault because the receiver didn't run through. Or was it cut off the road? The receiver didn't do something, so I kind of had a hard time putting that on Bailey, even though it still was thrown into, like, <laughs> three jerseys that were, were not your color. <laughs> so I he that's just the case of a kid who who's comes out of college that, you know, slung it for, like, five 6,000 yards, whatever he did that year. And – those windows aren't here in the NFL. No. And, you know, he comes over to the sideline and you see Billy O'Brien yell at him. Like, a couple of those times, he should have just taken the check down. That wasn't the read. The read was the check down. The read was the, the, the guy out of the backfield and the guy in the flat, and he didn't take it. And that's, to me, that's an experience. Let's not forget, they cut this kid in August. Well, that's so it. They didn't think too much of him. <laughs> so Bailey Zappi's not part of the future. And if Mac Jones is being benched for this guy, what does Mac Jones's future look like here? You know, um, number one, they're cheap. So I firmly believe that they're going to have a shot to make this roster for that sole purpose, that they're cheap, they're on the rookie deals, and they'll be in camp. Um, I, this team has to get at least, at a minimum, two quarterbacks this offseason. You're going to need a starter and you need a backup. That's clear. I mean, that could, you have neither right now. But, again, they're cheap, so they'll be there. I don't know what you can get from Mac. Like, who... who Who's going to give you anything? Oh, no one's trading you. When the whole, no, mm-hmm. when everybody's seen what he's done and how he's been benched, like no one's going to give you anything from him because they know he's probably going to get, especially if Bill's here, which I still think he, he's gone, but still, um, I, I think they're cheap. They're on the rookie deals. So they'll be here to, to have a shot to make the roster. And then there's this interesting piece that comes out after the game that like, I almost care more about this than I care about what happened on Sunday. Cause I'm already, I'm already, agonizing over Miami this weekend. It What is this about the local media trying to sabotage former Pats linebacker Gerard Mayo in his, like, maybe quest to be an internal candidate for the future head coaching job? Yeah, it's like a thing, basically, the report that came out that said, you know, that he's, quote, a tough guy to get along with, or, um, you know, there are some in the media that don't necessarily think some of the media that don't necessarily think that he's head coaching material because they're really not sure, quote, what he does. And then there are some of the media that, 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 that report that he's a player's coach, that guys love him, that um, it's more about Steve Belichick drawing up the defenses with his father and then Mayo saying, okay, this is how we're going to play it. We're going to break it down. We're going to do it this way and putting it sort of in layman's terms. From what I get, he's a well-liked coach. 
The media around has been very funny lately because any talk of moving on from Bill right away is met with, well, you're going to get rid of a guy who's, you know, has his worst season in 20 seasons, you know, yep. his worst year. Uh, well, no, it's really actually, he's had four or five bad years and the team hasn't been relevant. We're it, not just basing it on this it's year. It's been pretty ugly for a little while. And the one time you guys did make the playoffs without Tom Brady, um, it didn't go well. Uh, no, it, <laughs> it didn't. didn't go well. No. So, uh, yeah, it did not. And and people, so people right away will, especially reporters who, who've been here long and have covered the beat well, and, and obviously Bill has his favorites and he has his people. Like, So if, if, if the rumor around here is, is if there's any validity to it that, you know, Mayo was kept here, that he was in the off season, there was a statement that was released that they were going to keep Gerard, that they were going to involve him more. He was involved in the in the search for the offensive line coach and the, and, and the uh, coordinator. Those weren't well, apparently. Uh, apparently not. Um, that he was going to be the future. And that, quote, Kraft likes him, sees him as a CEO type, and okay. which is fine. Okay, then bring in an offensive guru then. You, you, you got a leader of men? Players love him? Okay, great. Change the scheme. Change well, and the this offense. Is, well, and this is where you hear this stuff if it's like, whoa, we have to go get an offensive. No, 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 no. Some of these offensive types, you give them the whole team to manage and they can't do it. Same thing with like look at look at Staley, Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator got him like his his tenure as a coordinator got him his job. Now Sean McDermott did that, right. defensive coordinator parlayed that into a head coaching job. His defenses have always been top ten, always. He's mm-hmm. just he he will always have good defenses. Bill Belichick, defensive coordinator, his defenses have always been great, or at least if not, they'll at least be competitive. I just look at, like, this weekend, apropos of nothing, your team is still a top 10 defense in terms of yardage, and you're dragging the Bills into the deep water because that's who you are with that coach. I think too much gets made of this offensive guru thing. You don't just have to get that. What you could do is find a really good offensive coordinator, a young up-and-coming mind, a Joe Brady type, where you're like, hey, here's a guy who's just looking to get his foot in the door somewhere. Get that guy. Pay him a substantial sum, whoever it might be. But there's a world where Gerard Mayo could work. I just think it's funny that all of a sudden the media seems to be like torpedoing his chances at the job before it even gets off the ground. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I just get to back to your point about the one coach that does it all. That model is, is obsolete. That model doesn't work anymore. You know, the overseer, the Bill Parcells, the Bill Belichicks. I mean, when you look at San Francisco and you look at you guys, like the dynamic is there's the GM there that's 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 calling the shots and, and working with the coach on the players. I I want to start over. I want to completely tear the whole thing down and start over. There's a lot of pushback locally that says, geez, how could you possibly take, you know, 20 years of a program and just wipe it out and start clean? Well, they had to do it in Dallas when they replaced Tom Landry, didn't they? When they sold the team and Tom Landry needed to be replaced, who's probably like the closest in comparison to Belichick in terms of length and success and everything out of all the coaches, they had to do that. And they had to bring in Jimmy Johnson and a whole new scouting staff. And a whole, you have to do that now. It's time. Like, it's yep. two decades. It's not like it's five years and you make making change. Like, oh, gee, you know, do you want to do it? Yeah, I do. I want to do that. I want to be relevant again. Yes, I want to do that. Sign me up. Where do I sign? <laughs> um so, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm very sensitive about this talk. Well, no, and that's it. And that's what I, 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 coming out of this game, all I can think about is 
Patriots fans who just want to be in it again. You just, you're, you, cause you're not that far off. Because in the NFL, most teams are not that far away from the team that they're playing. It's just that if you get out executed, if you don't have the quarterback, if you don't have the skill players, yeah, you're going to get fucked up a lot of weeks. <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get the, your games with like the Cowboys game earlier in the year where they just tomahawk dunk all over you for four quarters. But you're going to have a lot more right. games like this one where you compete, you're in it, you're scrapping till the end and you just come up short because you don't have the talent. But realistically, it's, that's where you need a GM to get the talent. You need a coach to lead that talent. You need to build a traditional system. <laughs> so to your point, I'm interested to see what this next iteration looks like. I just hope for you guys that it comes without a ton of acrimony, right? Because right, I, <clears throat> right. that's it. I, I just want this to be an easy process for you because I'd like a competitive AFC East. I think it gives us all, I mean, for, to trust me, I... I, I have no delusions. I think if you blow it up and go back to a traditional model, you're going to have to overturn this whole roster. And we're going to get at least two more years of just stomping a mud hole in the Patriots. But you draft a quarterback <laughs> this year. Yeah, you guys are in the running. Well, what are you? Are you locked into the third pick, or do you have a shot at the second one? We're, we're two. We have a shot. We have a shot at the second pick. We're, I think based on the loss, the Arizona's win. We, we slid back into the two with a tiebreaker or Washington, something like that. But if we win, it could go back down. It's like seven or eight or something like that. So uh, there's a lot, obviously, running on this weekend and essentially falling out of the top five. Get so, yourself um, a Daniels out of LSU. Yeah, I mean, I, go get yourself a Daniels out of LSU. Let him sit for a year. A lot of people say that. Go yeah. get yourself a free agent quarterback who's just a stopgap. Nothing but just a Mitch Trubisky type where you can say, hey, fuck this, throw him out there, let him be a punching bag while we tear this thing to the ground. <laughs> just let him go. It was That's what Nathan Peterman was supposed to be for the Buffalo Bills. And then right. he was so bad in that first game, they were like, all right, Josh, it's not fair, but it's your time. Man, yeah, it's time. To, it's time. Yeah, and you throw him, throw him to the dogs. Um, but you I, go out you there know, and you do that. Point quickly. Yeah. Just, just getting back to your point quickly about the teams being, you know, close and quote not that far away. I think a lot of the games are like Sunday, and and that teams are in it, and you don't necessarily get blown out like the Patriots said against the Saints and the Cowboys. But I think we're very far away because I just look at the offense, and I just think you need so much. And I think if Bill's pitch when he goes into Robert and they have that conversation, he says, "Look, you know, uh, this one got injured, that one got injured." Uh, the two tackles that we got in free agency, surprise, surprise, they were in like their 80s, didn't work out. I'll go draft a tackle. And I think if he convinces Robert that, look, it's really, we're really not that far away, and there were seven or eight one score games that we had this year, um, which doesn't mean a whole lot because Josh McDaniels had seven or eight one score games, whatever it was, and he was out the door faster than you could blink. Yes. So I, I just hope that Robert doesn't buy that. And I, I firmly believe that the Crafts made the decision a long time ago to move on. And the rumor is, is that Robert and Jonathan have been talking to a lot of people in the league they trust about what the next steps are um, and what to do and how to go about it. Because when you get rid of Bill, you have to have a plan in place to hit the ground running to go after guys. I hope that's the case. I have I've a firm belief in this ownership that they will do the right thing and they'll have a plan in place to go and do it. But if they go back and forth and they waffle – it's just going to be more of the same. And I think if they get sentimental about keeping Bill, um, 
That's just going to be bad news. See, now I'll say this. I Good love news you. for you guys. Well, I was going to say, I love you, Christian, but I hope nothing good happens to this franchise ever. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, we're one game away from the end of the year. I appreciate you showing up each and every week doing this with us. Why don't you tell everyone where they can follow you on social media as we ride this season out? Sure, at Chris with the T E I A N on X. Give you a follow on. I'll give you uh yeah, 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 you know the deal. Give me a follow, I'll give you a follow back. We have a lot of good fun with uh with Buffalo Bills fans on there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so changing gears, we bring up the non-Barry Horowitz, Scott Mason, from Play Like a Jet to talk about the... We just literally got done breaking Christian's balls, Scott, about the idea that... You used to be our Barry Horowitz, and now he's the Brooklyn Brawl. He's the guy <laughs> wearing the flat cap in a torn. Well, it's like t-shirt. Scott just graduated to being the Sultan. It's not that much That's better. Right. That's right. I'm the guy who wins the occasional TV match now, but loses in the Royal Rumble. Like gets thrown out first in the Royal Rumble, or is the first guy eliminated at the Survivor Series. But at least. I win the occasional match on WWF superstars now. <laughs> I remember, see, and that was the thing. As a kid, I didn't understand the difference between them, right? So I would watch WWF superstars every Saturday, and just I assumed that was wrestling. That's all there was to it. I didn't know that there was a whole universe of wrestling that was taking place outside of that one show. And so all I ever saw was guys like Tatanka and Bam Bam Bigelow and... <laughs> I just thought that was all of it. You know, I can't, once in a great while, you'd see a guy like Hulk Hogan or you'd see a guy like... You know, and then as it grew, you were like, oh, Monday night, oh, these prime times, that's where it's at. Oh, okay. Well, I, by the way... As I'm watching the repo of- man, a dude with a hook in a unitard. Well, you know what, used to, what would happen back then? Uh, the funny thing is, Vince would have these characters... That he would base on like bad life experiences he had, right? So was like, he Larry he, David? <laughs> basically, because he'd have like a he'd have like a crooked plumber character, and clearly like he hired a bad plumber. Then he'd have the Repo Man, clearly like some Repo guy tried to take something or whatever. Then he'd have like an evil dentist because he had to have bridge work done, and the guy did a bad job or whatever. He went through all these like stupid occupational gimmicks. It was hilarious. By the way, really quickly, because I know we're going to transition to actual football talk, but I have to say I was listening to the show last week, and Iman laid me out. I was actually out for a run. I almost fell down. I was laughing so hard when Iman said that he was a secret Iron Sheik fan, and he had to be in the closet about it because it was, quote, dangerous to be an Iron Sheik fan back in the (laughs) 80s. (laughs) 
The Iron Sheik is the best. I don't care what anyone says. That's right. My favorite is when he would say that there was a funny story real fast. MVP, who I think is still in WWE now, he's gone back and forth. He said like whenever he would go to WWE and the Sheik, he knew the Sheik was going to be there. Rest in peace, Sheik. He would bring a, um, you know, some weed for the Sheik. And one time they were in the hallway and like all the big wigs were there. It was some big episode of Raw or something. And Sheik sees MVP and he goes, Baba, Sheiky baby is here. You have the gimmick, brother. The Sheiky is smoking the gimmick. You always have the good shit, brother. And like MVP standing there with all these like important suits looking at him, staring holes through him. And he's like, dude, not now. Oh, no. <laughs> not right now. Come on. You're killing me. And Sheik just didn't. He, he never cared about anything. He was oblivious. He just wanted his, his weed to smoke, Bubba. So speaking of not caring about anything, most Jets fans are mostly <laughs> dead inside. Yes. You guys lose to the Cleveland Browns in a game where you were competitive early, but then it just got away late. And you guys, like, the Browns didn't score any points after halftime, but it didn't matter. Like the, I think I think both teams were just so demoralized. Like I think the Jets were just finished at that point. They're like, ah, we just got to get out of here. Is there an irony in getting blown up by Joe Flacco? On the outside, I'm amazed and alive, but I'm dead inside. Yeah, it's uh, uh, where do you start? No, I mean, listen, Flacco. It's weird. I think I said this on your show last week. But I know I said it on my show. He's basically turned into late stage Vinny Testaverde, where he can still make throws. He's got some arm talent, but he's also going to make four to six plays a game where you're going to go, what was he even trying to do there? Like in the game against the Jets, he threw two passes that went right off a guy's chest. I think one went off the chest of Tony Adams. The other was Quincy Williams. And then he also threw into quadruple coverage one time. It should have been intercepted. Then there was the actual pick six to Jermaine Johnson, where Jermaine Johnson made a great play. So you know that Flacco can still make some throws. He looked a lot more mobile than normal, and he was throwing downfield and all that. But at the same time, he's going to give you those opportunities, and the Jets' defense didn't take advantage enough. And I wonder if that's going to catch up with the Browns in the playoffs. But it is really an amazing thing. I tweeted this out after it happened, Drew. Amari Cooper wasn't in this game, so the Browns were missing their best offensive weapon. And by the way, Amari Cooper just got named to the AFC Pro Bowl roster. Funny because a year ago, I was begging the Jets to trade just about nothing for Amari Cooper. And I had a bunch of people telling me that Cooper was never that good. He was overrated. And I said, no, he's actually one of the best route runners in the league, and some team's going to get him for nothing. And well, you know, Pro Bowl and all that. But uh, Amari Cooper didn't play. And at one point, Joe Flacco threw a touchdown to Elijah Moore. And I said, Flacco to Elijah Moore for the touchdown as the Jets grow their lead to, oh, wait, sorry, wrong year. Because a year ago, it would have been Joe Flacco to Elijah Moore on the Jets. If you remember, Flacco played a handful of games. And then, of course, Elijah Moore was their, one of their receivers. That injury the was scary. Last season. That injury was scary to Elijah Moore. When you see a guy yeah. get hit like that and then convulse involuntarily on the field, like that's a – I mean, I just hope he's all right. It's yeah. – and all animosity aside. Now, a guy who I don't think is all right, I hope, I hope all the ba- – 
as an official member of the hate, you know, attendee of the hand, haters ball every year, and uh, what hey, I hey, think hey, is hey, a hey. shoe in hate, 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 hate. Uh, I hope all the bad things in life happen to Delvin Cook. <laughs> I, I hope <laughs> to, to nobody else but Delvin Cook. It's one like this whole Delvin Cook situation is one of the most absurd things to me because it was one of the it was one of the biggest storylines of the late NFL offseason. The fact that he was released and he was taking all these visits, Bills fans wanted him, Jets fans wanted him, Dolphins fans wanted him. All these people were talking about Delvin Cook. Can we maybe get him? Oh my god. And like, here's the worst part. Of all the absurd things that have happened over the course of an offseason, it wasn't even the most absurd thing for you guys. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers thing was that. <clears throat> but this one, Delvin Cook agrees to a contract with you guys, <laughs> proceeds to do literally fuck all, and then, then gets the balls to come to your GM and ask for his release. <laughs> well, Drew, as I sip my soda... That I'm sure somebody spit in. I just like to say, I hate you. I hate you. I hate your guts. I don't even know you. And I hope in all the bad things in life happen to you and nobody else but you. Yeah, no, Delvin Cook is funny, man. I remember when the talk started getting going about him. And, you know, I think this is where fantasy football ruins a lot of perspective for fans. Because I remember going on Twitter and saying, Dalvin Cook is not really all that good anymore. And people were like, what are you talking about? He had like 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns and this and that. And you watch his tape and you look at the analytics. <laughs> you go up, his explosion was, doesn't seem to be there anymore. It wasn't there. He good. was dead last in yards above expected. There was no explosion on that tape. He was completely the product of that offensive line in Minnesota. Did nothing more than what they gave him. And I remember having Arif Hassan, who is a great reporter, covered the Vikings for many, many years. And we talked about Dalvin Cook. We went chapter and verse through each year of his career. And Arif said, look, the last year or two, just won the same guy. When he got that contract extension, he was one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL, but he just wasn't the same guy anymore. And we went through the analytics of it. We did a tape breakdown. And I said, look, I guess it really doesn't matter if the Jets – sign cook to a one-year deal but why would you give him all this money he's just you know and fans got really mad at me oh what are you talking about he's a pro bowler he's a great weapon this and that and i kept saying look if you're gonna spend the money go get deandre hopkins the jets don't really need to pay this money to a running back who quite frankly doesn't have a lot of gas left in the tank go get hopkins who was still awesome last year with bad quarterbacks in arizona and then people were telling me that Hopkins was the one that was washed up and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Dalvin Cook was horrendous. He got released. He had no production this year. And DeAndre Hopkins played really, really well with really bad quarterback play again in Tennessee this year. And so I stopped bothering about the Dalvin Cook thing. There were some people that just wouldn't well, let go. Kept saying, he stinks, he stinks, here's he stinks, he's going to be bad. <clears throat> Watching this. I have an analogy for you about the whole Delvin Cook thing. I said this to my wife, and she laughed her ass off. Delvin Cook having the balls to go to the to, to go to Joe Douglas, GM of the Jets, and ask for his release. Now, 
with this idea that a playoff team might, like, oh, well, I, I want to get out now so I can latch on to a playoff team. <laughs> yeah. This is like a guy who's a four and a half with no job. Dumping his girlfriend because spring break's coming up and I don't want to be tied down. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, What are no, you doing, shipwreck? <laughs> I think it's actually more like a guy who at one point was like a rich, famous actor, and now he lost all his money, and he hasn't been on TV in like five, ten years. You're talking about Nicolas Cage. You don't have to do that. He's nice. Yes, I love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I yes, love Nicolas Cage. Cage. I dare you slander him but, like that. Uh, little known fact, by the way, Nicolas Cage's brother, Mark Coppola, is a uh, very well-known New York City uh, classic rock DJ, mm-hmm. in case anybody didn't know that. A little bit of trivia for you. But I think it's more like that, where you're that guy, and you decide, okay, I'm going to leave my wife, who's stuck through all it, with, you know, stuck with me through all this, because I'm going to go get some 22-year-old model and it's like, yeah, dude, but you're not rich or famous anymore, so you're not getting that model, and you're 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 basically way overvaluing, or or you have this weird self perception. I, look, I get it; it's tough because one day in these physical sports like football or basketball, you're the top of the heap, and the next day you're yesterday's news, and it's over for you, and it can end really, really fast. We've Lady. seen it. Le'Veon Bell is a giant example yes. of this, and he's another yep. guy to wear a Jets jersey. Yep. You guys. And look, I, I'll be honest. Le'Veon Bell, I wanted. Cook, I didn't. I was wrong about Le'Veon Bell. I think part of it was Gase uh, was, was, was basically convinced that Bell wouldn't be good, so he did everything he could to make sure he wouldn't be good. But clearly he lost some explosiveness and all of that. And I think – you know, with Dalvin Cook, people were hoping he'd be kind of like what Ladanian Tomlinson was in 2010. Where Tomlinson had five, six very good games to start the season, then sort of fell off a cliff. But the idea was if Cook came in, gave you five or six nice games while Brees Hall rehabilitated, mm-hmm. then he'd be serving his purpose. The problem is Cook was bad, and Brees Hall was ready to go much yeah. faster than people expected. <laughs> he, one of the, I. I was drinking and accidentally drafted Brees Hall in a fantasy draft. <laughs> accidentally, I hit the wrong button. And I was like, ah, fuck. I took that guy. Now i got to try to find another running back because there's no way he's going to be ready. Turned out to be a pretty money draft pick. <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the middle rounds, it was a pretty money draft pick. Last uh, thing before listen. we go, you guys broke a record. Broke a record, right? You're the first team in NFL history to rank 20th or worse in scoring for five consecutive seasons. Hmm. Some of it I can understand because you had Mike McCagnan, who will go down, I think, in NFL history as the worst drafter of all time. His, <laughs> no, no, I mean, li- literally, guys, listen to this, Bills fans. <coughs> go look at Mike McCagnan's drafts and look at the guys who ever played in the NFL again after they left the Jets. Um, and then he obviously hired Adam Gase. So the combination of those two things put you guys into a clusterfuck of a situation. Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Guys kind of inherited it, but you're trying to build something from nothing. I mean, you inherited, they, they inherited a scrap pile and are trying to make a football team out of it. Eight different quarterbacks over that five-year span. A lot of shuffling of the skill positions. The real lack of continuity in the offensive line. Even the high draft capital that was spent to try to fix the offensive line hasn't worked. Uh, 
So that that thing is constantly in flux. There's a lot of things here that go into that. So even with Aaron Rodgers returning in 2024, how long do you think that it's going to take before you guys can fix what is clearly a generational football, like a generational issue with this team? Like it's not this this problem didn't happen overnight and it's not going to get fixed overnight. So no. knowing that you have Aaron Rodgers next year, but then knowing that this is a weak roster that's going to need a lot of retooling, mm-hmm. how many years do you think it's going to take for you guys to climb out of this? Well, I think if the Jets are able to have a successful offseason in free agency in the draft, if they execute it wisely, I, don't, I think if Rodgers stays healthy and they do all the things that they need to do, they could probably be at least not a terrible offense. I, I don't know that they're going to necessarily be an elite offense or anything like that. But, look, they've got Garrett Wilson, right, who's uh, an excellent receiver. They've got Brees Hall. If those guys stay healthy, that's good. They've got uh, Tyler Conklin, who's an okay tight end. So that's something to work off of. And then from there, look, the offensive line and the playmakers need to be upgraded. We know that, right? So – you have the offensive line where you assume that right now you can pencil in two starters for sure, one of whom is coming off a serious injury, and that's Elijah Vera Tucker. You figure him and Joe Tipman are probably definite starters on that offensive line. But you need depth behind Vera Tucker because for as talented as he is, he's missed 22 or 34 games, so you've got to have an insurance policy. But from there, Lakin Tomlinson, do the Jets hang on to him? That's the question because he's been terrible. And if you get rid of him, it's a $10 million dead cap hit, but you could free up $8 million. So if you get somebody in the draft you like, do you move on from him? Or if you can get a free agent who gives you comparable value for a little less money, do you move on from him? And then the tackles, obviously, it looks like Mekhi Becton won't be back. So you've got to replace both tackles. The question is, how do you do it? And then, of course, you need at least one legitimate, significant upgrade at wide receiver, maybe two, but you need at least one. So you look at that, or or at the very least, two pass catchers, I should say. If you get a really good tight end, I suppose that would take the place of a wide receiver. So the question is, how do you execute that? And that's going to be the big challenge, right? Because I think... You know, there are names at wide receiver that the Jets might be able to get, but I also think that many of the names that we're hearing are names that may not ultimately be available to the Jets. We've heard a lot about Devontae Adams, and I don't know that the Raiders are trading him, honestly. It's sounding less and less like they will, and not that I want him, by the way, because he, he'll be 32 years old and the Jets would have to he'll overpay. He'll be another one of these aging, overpaid players yeah. on the Jets roster for another year in a row. Right, but at least he's good. That's the yeah. Difference. At least he's got some talent. Right, agreed. But but the point is, you look at the other guys. You know, T. Higgins probably going to get tagged, and and if traded, you'd have to give up a lot. Michael Pittman Jr. I would bank on him getting tagged if they don't work out a deal. Mike Evans may be available, but that doesn't mean he's leaving Tampa. And there's going to be a bunch of teams after him. Yes. Calvin Ridley is another interesting name. The Jaguars are in a weird spot because if they re-sign him. They the the pick they gave up to Jacksonville as gets escalated to a second rounder from a third rounder. If they let him go, it's a third rounder instead of a second. 
and he's had some issues early on, or he had some issues early on with the Jaguars coaching staff. Do they pay him or is he available? Do they tag him? I don't know. So there's <laughs> another name. But the point is the Jets are going to have to find a way to, to get a weapon in free agency and hopefully not be desperate heading into the draft. And then the offensive line is also something that they're going to have to upgrade, but it's easier said than done because there are very few quality offensive linemen that are going to be available. And the ones that are, you're going to have to really compete with a lot of other teams that need them. No telling who you can get. And then in the draft, you have no second round pick because that went to the Packers and the Rodgers deal. And if they had lost that game to Washington a couple of weeks ago, a loss to New England could have pushed them all the way up to the number two overall pick in the draft, which is kind of crazy. And what that would have meant is Drake May could have been on the table for them, not to draft, but to trade out of the spot and get a King's ransom, sort of like what Houston did last year, uh, or excuse me, Arizona did last year, trading out of the number three spot. Now, I know Houston took um, uh, Stroud in the two spot, but the reason they gave up all that to go to number three is because they wanted Anderson and Stroud and knew that they couldn't get both of them unless they made a move like that. Mm -hmm. So you could get a huge haul, but now they can't because the highest they can get to, I believe, is fifth. And so you look at this and you say, with the limited picks and the limited opportunities in free agency, how do they fill these things? And that's the challenge. And look, I'll say this just as you sort of laid it out. Joe Douglas has been here five years. Now the first year, I can't totally put on him because he didn't build that team. But the common thread here is that Joe Douglas, since he's been here, has been the GM and overseen some terrible offenses. Now I know Rodgers got hurt this year, but there were clearly a lot of problems with this offense regardless. And so it's put up or shut up time. The offense has to get significantly better this year, and the Jets have to win games as a result or they're going to have to move in another direction because, Drew, we both know this. You can't win games consistently in the NFL by getting to 17 to 20 points. You've got to have an offense that is at least somewhat capable of scoring 30 points. And I heard this argument, oh, the Jets had to get Rodgers because blah, 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 blah. Look, Derek Carr is capable of scoring 30 points with a good offense, with a, a solid supporting cast. Is Kirk he? Go ask, go ask the Saints about that one. <gasps> right. But Kirk Cousins, you go down the line, there's a variety of, of starters that can score 30 points with a quality offense. Mm-hmm. But you can't routinely trot out these teams that are so bad on offense that they can't score points at all. And so if Douglas doesn't fix that, I think he should be looking for another job at the end of the season, and we'll see. But that is that is the challenge of the offseason, Drew. The defense, look, it's not as good as people thought. It's good. It's very good. It's top five, but it's not the 85 Bears or some nonsense like that. But it's good enough. What they need, though, is some real upgrades on offense, especially the offensive line. Joe Douglas has had how many years to do something on that old line, which – he came in saying was like his top priority and he just hasn't been able to do it. He's well, made investments. I'll say they this. just haven't worked out. I'll say this. It's the thing that got Tom Telesco fired eventually was that the team never had a good offensive line. Their offense never could really be what it could be. 
And so that's the crux of every GM. And so hopefully Joe Douglas has a plan just so you Jets fans don't have to suffer another year of this. While you head into the offseason process and you guys prep for the draft and all these other things, where can people follow you on social media and where can they find your work? Excellent question, Shelton. You can find me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. PlayLikeAJet.com is the website. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet is the YouTube channel. The podcast is available seven days a week, 365 days a year, because I clearly hate myself. And you can get it anywhere where you can download podcasts. So Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, whatever it is you use to listen to podcasts, Gentlemen, as always, a pleasure. I wish you luck in this game. It's going to be very interesting because by the time that game comes up on Sunday night, the Bills are going to know whether or not they are in a win or go home situation. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to be playing for a division title, but know that if you lose, you can still make the playoffs and have a chance. It's another to go into a game knowing that you could be as high as the number two seed and as low as watching the playoffs from the couch. This has potential to be a fascinating turn of events, and I'm curious to see what happens here. The Dolphins, I'll be rooting against no matter what when it comes to the playoffs. Will the Bills be there too for Jets fans to hatefully, spitefully root against? I don't know, but we'll find out after Sunday, and I'm sure you guys will be on pins and needles the whole time. Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason, no Alf Arteaga. He was on the recap that we did. Preview. But Scott and Christian are the American males. (laughs) The AFC East. Now, I had to go make myself a old-fashioned. I bought a... uh, Oh, that's good. I bought a new bourbon, Field and Sound, bottled in bond. Batch one released in 2021, and it was just on the shelf at Premier up in uh, Williamsville. Really? Yeah. Odd to have a, uh, 20, a bottle released in 2021 still on the shelf January of 24. Interesting. It's not bad. Bottled in bond. Bottled in bond, you know you don't cut corners. I like it. We are here talking about the Buffalo Bills, who beat the Patriots 27-21. We're the only team in the AFCs to win a game this weekend. So, hey, cheers, Chris. I'll drink to that. Mm-hmm. And to Scott Mason, Christian Simonelli, Alfartiaga, I'll see you all in hell. Your playoff odds update. It's a weird situation, Chris, that I don't think we've been in before. In the last couple of years, we've had the division locked up before the final game. Or at least had a playoff berth locked up before the final game. It's been a while since we went into the last week having to figure out whether we're going to make the cut or not. And then worse is that we're not just trying to figure out if we're going to make the cut or not. We have to watch other teams play ahead of us. So, Saturday night, there's going to be football on. What is it, Tyler? uh, Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. Tyler Huntley almost beat the Bengals in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So. He is a serviceable serviceable backup. 
it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Divisional game, defenses are going to play tough, but the Ravens will be smart with their starters because there's nothing really to win here. They just don't want them to have a layoff layoff. So they're going to prep, they're going to practice, and then backups are going to play a bulk of the game. Then the, what, the uh, 1 o'clock games on Sunday is going to be the Jaguars and the Colts. Jaguars and uh, Titans. Or Titans. And that's the last one that matters, right? Yeah. So we're going to know by 4 o'clock on Saturday whether or not the Bills have to win this game. And there's some comfort in that, I guess. Like, if any one of these things breaks our way, awesome. Then we go into that game with no stress because it's like, hey, if you didn't make it, hey, you still get invited to the dance. You're still one of the most dangerous teams in football. Also, though, do you trust that any of those teams can actually win? I mean, I'm right here at the New York Times interactive playoff calculator. Right now, we're a 95% chance to make the playoffs. You look at the games that actually impact us, and it, there's only the three. Steelers, Ravens, Jaguars, Titans, Bills, Dolphins. Do you believe that the Jaguars can beat the Titans? I mean, they just mollywopped the... Uh, Have you looked at the Jaguars' schedule? No. It's pretty fucking wild. I'll pull it up here in a second. Looking for pro football reference, so it shows the stats and the scores. No, all you need to do is see the see the scores. Maybe yes, we'll go to ESPN here. Okay. Was that five in a row? Lost two in a row. Lost four in a row. Jag- Jaguars are only playing like five good games in a row. Then they suck. Might throw in a, in a win. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Here's what I love about this: you look at these scores, Chris. They win because they score 31 week one. Then they lose week three because they got 37 scored on them. The following week they won 23 to seven, and then they go on a nice little win streak, and then they lose 34 to three to San Francisco. They don't just After lose the bye. When they lose, they lose big. Every single one of their losses this season, except for the like week two against Kansas City, has been a blowout. 13 and 14. You've given up, at least from a defensive standpoint, you've given up 20 points or more. During this latest losing streak, the four-game losing streak, 34 to Cincinnati, 31 to Cleveland, 23 to Baltimore, but it was 23-7, 30 to Tampa Bay. You're just not a good defense. I don't know. It's entirely possible that in their la- in his last game, Derrick Henry decides to show off, and that Tennessee offense cobbles together something that works. Right? Yeah. And if the Bills and if the Titans win, that's it. It's 100%. We, we, we clinch. Same thing with the Ravens. The Ravens win. We clinch. And if not, it comes down to us handling our business about just in this Miami Dolphins game. Now, we talked to Alfartiaga about it during our preview this week. And here's a question that was asked by Bruce Nolan on Twitter. And I've been thinking about it ever since. We've been calling for Sean McDermott's head for a while now. On this show, we have been calling for Sean McDermott's head. 
Still are. As a coach who I don't think has what it takes for this to, to take this team to a Lombardi. <clears throat> the question is, do does making the playoffs after where the Bills were, six and six, everyone said we were dead, making this run to the playoffs and winning a playoff game, does it change the way you view Sean McDermott? No. <clears throat> It's a tricky. It's a tricky question. It is because if you think about it, <clears throat> here you are. You know we're congratulating Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh hasn't been wildly competitive, but every single year they're in the playoff hunt. Okay, when do they fire their coaches? Never. Probably because they keep finding ways to be competitive, and if they can ever just get an, a star quarterback again, they're right. Yeah, and they're right back in the mix. They haven't had one since Bubby Brisker. <laughs> You didn't think Ben Roethlisberger was good? <laughs> I mean, he's good in the South. And by South, I mean Statesboro. <laughs> and by Statesboro, I mean at a bar. <laughs> I hate you. So, I guess the idea is that would you, you know, earlier in the show tonight, I asked Christian, if you get rid of the coach because you want your offense to improve, and it's, I've been thinking about this ever since I, we talked to Christian. If you want your team to improve offensively, the easy thing to say is, I want to fire my head coach. I want to get an offensive guru. And whatever. But if you look at one of the strengths of the Bills team has been since Sean McDermott got here, it is a team that is routinely in the top 10 for defense. That combined with a quarterback like Josh Allen will keep you in most seasons. It'll keep you in most games. It'll keep you in most division races. Would you... I'm starting to... I don't want to say soften my stance because I still have some real frustrations with the way Sean McDermott runs this operation. Some of the choices that get made. Chris, we bitched about it during the review. Why is Deontay Hardy here? Mm -hmm. He's making how much and he's not even taking offensive snaps anymore. He's not getting targets. He's not... He's less than what Isaiah McKenzie was, and you paid four times the money. That's pathetic. <clears throat> I just look at this and I say to myself, I have a coach who believes in the wrong things in terms of how a roster should be constructed, what the value of special teams, the value of skill players over trench players. Sometimes you have to go get your quarterback weapons. You can't keep drafting linemen and linemen and linemen. And then this year, they're going to say, well, this is proof we need more defensive players. And they're going to go out there and they're going to spend draft capital on it. When in reality, what you should be doing is flooding this offense with cheap, high-end talent while you have an opportunity to take those dart throws. I have a lot of reservations that he's the guy to do that. At the same time, throwing Sean McDermott out the door could result in your defense which is generally the thing that holds you in games where you're not sharp offensively. Throwing him out the door could leave you in a place where now you're a slightly better offense, but with a much worse defense. And it would be interesting to see what our fate looks like in that sense. Because realistically, this resurgence we went on here to get us into this situation has come on the back of some really strong defensive performances. 
really high-level shit from our defensive line, our linebackers, defensive backs stepping up to make giant game-changing plays. From Chris, <clears throat> we run the ball down the throats of the Cowboys. But that doesn't mean anything if they score 35, does it? Yeah. The Chargers game. The de- the offense was slow moving and the defense held serve. This Patriots game, you want it because of your defense and then your offense's ability to close it out late when they needed execution. You wouldn't be here on the doorstep of this if you don't have the defensive execution that you have. So by throwing out Sean McDermott, are you also forfeiting all of that? And are you resigning yourself to maybe a future that looks more like what the Chargers are? Where it's like, hey, one game they can score 40 points, but then if you don't score 30, the other team's going to score 28, and that's a problem. <laughs> What's going to happen if we get the division on Sunday and then we go into the wild card and we play like the Bengals game last playoffs? Well, and that's it. I want to... I'm willing to take a step back. I'm softening my stance just a bit on the future of Sean McDermott. A lot of it's going to come down to what happens in this game. And so Bruce's question's valid. Yes, I believe that what happens this week and next week are important. Because if this week we flop and next week everyone's cleaning out their lockers, yeah, I'm going to have a lot to say about Sean McDermott. Recency bias doesn't replace the overall production of this team over the course of a season. It doesn't. If this team hits the playoffs and finds their stride, it's you'll be hard-pressed. You're, you're not going to find any momentum to fire him. Now, the owner has almost said he's safe, but even in the minds of most, even some of the less pragmatic fans, you're going to find yourself hard-pressed to find anyone who truly wants McDermott fired, even if it is the right call. I, I don't know. These next two weeks are highly interesting. What the Bills are doing each of the next two weeks are highly interesting as to what it means, maybe not the d- direct future of Sean McDermott, because I don't think Terry Pagula will fire him. I don't think he has the balls for that right now. No, because this is Cincinnati... With Marvin Lewis. But if we're talking about should. He should. It's going to depend on the next two, though. In my mind, the next two. You go out there and play two complete games. Just own it. Make them yours. All right, we can, we can circle back and have a conversation about that then. Your team better be prepared. Your defense better play their balls off. Your offense better not struggle and bog down like they have at times. I need to see that you can get a team prepared for a do-or-die situation. I Maybe you're there. Time will tell. It'll be incredibly interesting to see. And so we close the show talking about the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, obviously we already previewed the game. We, you know, we talked to Elf about a lot of things. But there's something here I want to talk about. Now, for those of you watching on YouTube, there's a tweet by Joe Shad. Like, I don't, like, there was something hilarious brewing in South Beach, for those of you who don't spend as much time on Twitter as I do. Like, I don't interact with a ton of people. I just like 
I like pettiness, and Twitter's a breeding ground for it. Some hilarious hypocrisy coming out of South Beach this week. Joe Shedd from the Palm Beach Poach. Post. Geez, poach? Like an egg? Poach? Should I call an Uber? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think it's more the cold meds than anything else. That's, I'm going to quote him. That's pretty terrible that John Harbaugh and the Ravens just passed for another touchdown. Up 49-19 with a few minutes left and moments after Bradley Chubb was carted off with a serious injury. It's 56-19. to He. So it all started with that tweet. And then another one that he followed up with it basically saying, it's despicable and it's unsportsmanlike that they keep throwing the football on our team, blah, 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 blah. And someone who's a Bills fan, he goes by Merck 256. He just responded with one of Joe's own tweets from back in September when the Dolphins were throttling the Denver Broncos. And he was gleefully tweeting about the Dolphins having 70 points. Chris, is this not the most thin-skinned horseshit you've ever seen? I mean, there's a lot of thin-skinned shit out there on the internet and Twitter, because it is the internet and Twitter, and there's a bunch of left-wing softies like Joe Shad. I like how, you, I like how you just immediately like left-wing softies. Well, soft- he's thin-skinned. If you're thin-skinned, you most likely vote a certain way. That's how this works. I hate you. But yeah, Merck retweeted or took a screenshot and tweeted out Shad saying, the Dolphins have 70 points. With some gif that I don't know about. It's it's basically a, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not great. And I think the funnier part about that is that everyone got really upset about how unsportsmanlike it was. But realistically, do you, like, do you remember the time when, do you remember the time, Chris, when Bill Belichick played a Sunday night football game here in Buffalo? Oh, we lost 56 to 10? And they just kept going for it on fourth down because they were like, well, we want the clock to keep running because we just want to get out of here and also stop us. <laughs> just stop us on fourth down. That's really simple. Yeah. Stop us on fourth down. You'll get the ball back and this won't happen. <laughs> Where did that like go? Guys like Joe Shad wouldn't make it in that era where there weren't any, I don't know, there weren't any rules to this stuff. There were no niceties applied to it. You're you're a pro- like first of all, you got blown out the way you got blown out. These guys are professionals. What are you doing carrying water for them? Crying about oh well, that's unsportsmanlike and that's it's terrible and it's oh my god some some of the things that some of the things that Dolphins fans have cooked up since the end of that football game are wild about how somehow the Ravens were in the wrong for powering their way through a football game and just demolishing their team. And look, one of our players got hurt. So? They're all professionals. You knew the risk when you came out here. All of these guys are collecting paychecks the same way the Ravens guys are collecting paychecks. Do your job. Shut your mouth. If you're bad at your job, you will get throttled and embarrassed on TV. Them's the breaks. Chris, why do you have the Jaguars winning 62 
Miami 7 in front of my face. I mean, I just figured I'd also bring that up. I mean, it is Dan Marino's last game and Jimmy Johnson's last game. They lost 62-7 to in the 99 playoffs. <laughs> Can you imagine? Joe, Joe Shad's head would have just fucking exploded. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll scroll down and we can see Just what happened. Scroll down. Fred Taylor, 90-yard rush. And then 20 seconds later, fumble return. Fred Taylor, another long rush. James Stewart, 25-yard rush. They took out Brunel and put Fiedler in, who played, <laughs> ended up playing for the Dolphins, and Fiedler threw two bombs. <laughs> and look who officiated that game. Who? Ed Hockley, of course. God, what a piece of NFL history. How did you pull this, Chris? Like, where it's in your well, bro- It's well known. It's Dan Marino's last game. 95 yards. Hang on, scroll down. Dan Marino's final stat line. 95 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and two sacks. 11 of 25. Good God. And that was, I believe that was Jimmy Johnson's last game, too, as a coach. See, guys, it happens. It just happens to the Dolphins more often than it happens to most football teams. <laughs> Don't be salty. Just be better. I don't know what to tell you. Chris, this has been fun. Yeah. Getting to make fun of uh, a whole bunch of teams in our division tonight. Oh, I always enjoy it. But for tonight, we got to get out of here, guys. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.